How many of y'all like your name? Well, you know, before I came to Jesus, my name wasn't very good. Everybody knew me in a wrong context. You know, they, they knew about me. When you mentioned the name, well, I went by, I had an alias back in those days. My alias was, you'll never know. Because that guy died. It doesn't matter anymore. But my name, my name, Donald, y'all know what it means. It means world ruler. I looked it up last night. It's a Celtic name, and it means dark stranger. But it also means world ruler, overcomer. I, I love that. I love that because God has called me to overcome. I'm in this world, but not of it. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so my name has been redeemed. And in Judges, there's a guy who had his name redeemed. Uh, his name was Gideon in the book of Judges, chapter 6. And in his name in the Hebrew means destroyer. It means warrior, mighty warrior, or feller of trees. That's what, that's what Gideon's name meant. But Gideon had a problem, and, and he's, his problem's the same problem that a lot of us have. He was afraid. Because there was a group of people called the Midianites. Uh, coincidentally, um, Moses' wife came from the tribe of the Midianites. And her, her father was a Midianite priest. But this group had grown and grown and grown. And because the people of Israel did not run out the Amorites and the, and the, and the uh, Midianites and all of those, they didn't completely destroy their enemies, it came back to bite them. Now, what does that say about us? We have things in our life that we have to deal with. And if we don't deal with them, those things will eventually come back and will cause us trouble. If we don't deal with sin in our life, if we don't deal with those little things, that's another message in itself. And I'm not going to dwell there, but here's what was happening in Gideon's day. The Midianites and the Amalekites, which was another tribe that hated the Israelites because they had taken their land and displaced them and everything else. And, you know... um, here, Gideon and his family were just like everybody else being oppressed by these people who would come in and they would just steal everything out of their fields and destroy their crops and everything, take all their cattle, their sheep and everything else and leave them with nothing. They were constantly robbing them. And what does that sound like? The Bible says the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy will try to come in And he'll try to steal everything that we have. And he is very deceptive and he's been at it a long time and he knows how to do it. So here is Gideon and Gideon was doing what the rest of the people were doing. He was trying to get a little bit of food for his family. So he found a safe place to hide out. He was in a, he had had found a, a threshing floor, which was down in a wine press. You know, wine press is down low because they'd dump all the grapes in there and squeeze out all the grapes, juice, and everything else to make their wine. So this was in a low place so he couldn't be seen from above. He could hide out, thresh enough wheats for his family. And this is where Gideon was, this mighty warrior, this this feller of trees, this awesome destroyer was down in this hole. His name had been utterly pushed down and despised by the enemy. Now, some of you have, all of you have names. I would encourage you to go and look to see what your name means. You can look it up online, just Google it. See what your name means. And so, this, this mighty warrior, this, this, this great destroyer, this 
feller of trees was down in this hole hiding out while these people were being oppressed. What had happened was God had given them victory and had given them rest from their enemies for a period of time because Deborah and Barak, you know, God would send judges who would come in and run out their enemies, destroy their enemies and everything else and give them peace. And then they would do the same thing that they had done before after they had kind of settled in. They would go back to their old ways and start worshiping the gods of the Amorites and everything else whom God had told them to run out from their country and, and, and to displace them and, and do away with them, to actually destroy them. And they hadn't. So now they're, they're, they're what they called in the Outer Banks, they're momicking them. You know what it means to momic? It's just hang around and, and be, a, be a problem. And so they're, they're, they're a big problem. And so the, the people of Israel started crying out for help. And, and God sent them a prophet and told them why they were in the predicament that they were in and, and that, that the reason why is because they hadn't run out the, Amor- the, uh, the Amalekites and the Amorites from out of, their, out of their, their situation. And they didn't listen to God. They worshiped the gods of the Amorites. And God, God had, had allowed them to be in the place that they were in. So here they are. They're hiding out, cowering down before their enemies. And Gideon was hiding out. And as he's down in this hole and he's threshing his wheat... Someone comes up and sits down under a tree. I mean, what would you do? I mean, you, you're working, and somebody just comes up, and they sit down. And they're just kind of observing, watching what's going on, you know. A lot of us think, you know, when angels come, they come with this, this huge glow about them or something, and they're big and they're strong. But the Bible says that, that you know, to be careful to entertain strangers for in so doing, some have entertained angels unaware. Angels are messengers of God. That's what Angelos, messenger, is. It's just a messenger from God. So this guy comes and he sits down under a tree and he's observing, observing Gideon at work. And then he just, he just speaks up to him. And he says, he says to him, he says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon is down cowering away and Someone speaks to him, and he don't know who he is, and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, what would you do? He's like, are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you, mighty warrior. You're not living up to your name, man. What are you doing hiding out down there? The Lord's going to use you to deliver Israel. Now, it happened as the angel told him this. He was reminding Gideon of who he was. I want to remind you this morning of who you are. You're a child of God. You're a child of the king. And so many of us live so far below who we truly are. Now, when you gave your name to Jesus, you were born again. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your old name doesn't matter anymore. That's why I'm not going to tell you my alias. I'm not going to tell you who I was. I'll tell you who I am. But you, won't, you don't need to know who I was. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore at all because who I am now is I am a redeemed child of God. I know my name. I know what it means. I know what God has put me here for. I know what my destiny is. So I encourage you to know who you are, to know what your destiny is, to know why God has called you, what gifts God has put in you. Find out what it is that pleases the Lord and do it. You know, I preached that message a few weeks ago. 
So, I want to remind you, when you believed and accepted Christ as your Savior, you ceased to be who you used to be. You were given a brand new identity. You were born again. You might have once been weak. You might have once been defeated and enslaved and bound and sick and poor, but you're not anymore. You're a child of the King. Two or three of you agree with me. You are a child of the King. You know what amen means? It means so be it. I agree. Do you agree? You're a child of the king. If you, if you have truly been born again, you belong to Jesus. You don't belong. You're not of this world. You are a child of the kingdom, a child of the king. And so you have so much more inside of you than you could ever even imagine. I have not seen, nor, enter, or, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But, I like that but. But he has revealed it to us by his spirit. God wants to give you revelation knowledge of who you are so that you will begin to walk in it and truly be what God has called you to be. That's what he had to do with Gideon. Gideon, at first, Gideon responds and he says, you don't really know who I am. But he didn't know who he was talking to. We do the same thing with God. But Lord, you just don't know. Like God is surprised at anything in our lives. We start questioning God when God tells us to do something. You know, we should just obey. Just obey because God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the outcome of our situation if we are obedient to him. If we just do what he tells us to do. Now listen, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want you to get a hold of this. Chapter 6 and verse 9 in 1 Corinthians says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 11 says, And that's what some of you were. It didn't say that's what you are. It says that's what you were. That is past tense. A new day has come. The old is gone. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He has recreated you from the inside out so that you are not what you were. So if you're living outside of that, then you're living apart from what God has called you to be. You're still down in a hole, threshing wheat, trying to just get by when God has given you so much more. Now, That's what some of you were, but you, that's another but that I like, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. So what I did B.C. doesn't matter since I've given my heart to him. It's okay to talk about B.C. sometimes. But don't dwell there too long. You know, when I start talking about my B.C. days, I start, I start stinking. It, it just smells to start digging up old bones and everything. So I, I choose sometimes, you know, when I find myself doing this, sometimes I just want to steer out of that, get out of that quickly. 
So when you came to Christ, your name was redeemed. You were bought back as though you were given a brand new name, a new identity, identity which in fact you were. Now, Gideon was being given an opportunity to live up to his name. You're being given the same opportunity. He first had to, he starts to offer excuses as to why he was in the situation he was in. And, and, and we do that too often, don't we? We start offering excuses, but God, you just don't know. I'm afraid. What if we start asking those questions of God? And Gideon says in verse 13, chapter 6, he says, But sir, if the Lord is with us, why is this, all this happening to us? How many times have you said that? God, if you're with me, why is all this happening? Have you forgotten me? He hasn't forgotten you. He's just trying to toughen you up a little bit. The trying of your faith is more precious than gold. If we don't ever have our faith tried, we don't know whether we've got faith or not. You know, if somebody gives you something for Christmas, you try it, or else it's no value. You ever had to lie? Somebody say, well, how'd you like your Christmas gift? Oh, it's okay. <laughs> you didn't even try it. You know what it would do, you know? Well, God has given us a gift, and I think that, that we ought to take God at his word and begin to step out by faith and try what he's given us. See, he, he says, you don't know why, what, who we are. Why is this all happening to us? And, and, and Gideon continues. He says, where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? And now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of, the, of Midian. Now, did the Lord truly abandon them and put them into the hand of Midian? No, quite the opposite. They abandoned the Lord and put themselves into the hand of Midian. And that's what we do ourselves. We, we forsake the Lord. The Lord never forsakes us. He never forsakes us. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength which you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Wow, what strength do you have? What strength do you have inside of you? I want to remind you this morning, as a child of God, what you have. You have God Almighty living inside of you. You're never alone. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with you. He said the comforter will come alongside to help you and fight your battles with you and fight for you. So you have that going for you. So you, 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 you don't have excuses that we can just pull back and say, well, you just don't know who I am. Or, you know, when God tells you to lay hands on somebody or you see somebody sick, you know, don't, don't grab your phone out of your pocket and call the pastor. You pray for them. Let God use you. Don't tell somebody you're going to pray for them. Do it right then. You get results quicker that way. And it just goes to show them what God can do through you and that God is no respecter of persons. It's amazing to see what God will do to us when we, when we dare to take him at his word. So Gideon goes on. He says, he says and, 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 and he, shot, he, shots, he, he, he shoots back at the guy. He says to the angel, he says, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. What can I do for God? I don't sing. I don't preach. I don't teach. What can I do? I'm the least in the church. There's nothing I can do. That's a lie the devil loves to use, isn't it? There's always something you can do. You can just come follow me around. That'll make you tired enough. 
You just be my armor bearer. Just walk with me. Pretty soon it'll start to rub off on you. That's what Elisha did. When Elijah came to Elisha, what qualified Elisha to to be the successor to Elijah was that he followed Elijah, and the Bible says he washed the hands of Elijah. That was his job. You know, hey, Elisha, hey, bro, what do you do for a living? I wash Elijah's hands. And what does that entail? Um, Take water and a cloth. You put water on his hands and you rub them. That's it. That's all he's asked me to do. You see, despise not small beginnings. And as Elisha followed Elijah around, he began to take on the nature and the qualities of Elijah. And when it came down to it and he knew that Elijah was going to be taken from him, then he had the audacity to ask this of Elijah. Elijah says to Elisha, what can I do for you? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Wow. Did Elijah say, you can't have that? No. Elijah knew he was qualified to receive it because he had walked with him. He had spent time with him. He had developed his character under his tutelage and his leadership. He had been discipled under Elijah. And he says, if you see me go up when I leave, you'll have what you ask for. Now, did it happen that easy for Elisha? No. There were so many times when Elisha was following Elijah, Elijah would say, well, I'm going on to Jezreel. Why don't you go back? I'm not going back. I don't have what I came for yet. I'm going here. Why don't you go back? No, I'm not going to leave you. You know, it's going to get pretty tough over here. You want to go over here with me? Yes, sir, I'm with you. And he stayed with him, and he saw Elijah leave, and he got what he asked for. When Elijah was being taken up, he dropped his mantle. Where did it fall? On Elisha. The anointing came upon Elisha. So when Elisha went and he asked the question, where is the God of Elijah? He wasn't asking the question. He knew where the God of Elijah was. He knew immediately his spirit was in him and was upon him. It's interesting to note, if you, if you were a Bible scholar at all, you will see that Elijah did 16 notable miracles. How many did Elisha do? There are 32 recorded miracles that Elisha did. What did he ask for? Double portion of his spirit. What did he get? Double portion of his spirit. See, God will give us what we ask for. He will give us what we believe for as long as we know what our name is, as long as we're living up to it. You have a new name that was written in glory. You're not who you were. You are a new person. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have a new identity, and your identity is that I'm a child of God. My name is Don Christian. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. I'm his disciple. Not a, I'm not an overcomer by myself. Now, Gideon asked a valid question. He says, but Lord, who can save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And Gideon was correct in his statement. If he had depended on his own strength, he was the weakest of the weak. And if he had relied on his own strength, he couldn't have done it. That's where we miss the mark so many times. We try to do the work of God in our own strength without being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't work. 
Paul says, I come not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the power and demonstration of what? The Spirit of God. You see, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that enhances our identity because it's not just us, but it's Christ in us with the hope of glory. It's Him inside of us. As John the Baptist said, when Christ came, He says, I must decrease in order that He must increase. And when we begin to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit and we trust Him more and trust ourselves less, that means we spend more time in His Word, more time before Him in prayer, more time operating in the gifts and the calling that He has placed in our life so that we develop those things. It becomes easier to step out in faith once you begin to do it. Now, God said to Gideon, he says, I will be with you and we'll strike down all the, and we will strike down all the Midianites together all at one time. No, he said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together all at one time. Wow. Now, it would have been easier for Gideon to believe that with the small army that they had, they could chip away at the Midianites and eventually destroy them. Because all the men that Gideon could muster together was 30,000. And all the men of the Midianites were 300,000. That's 10 to 1 odds. Now that makes it pretty, you know, we, we can believe God for that because it's only 10 to 1. Right? And then God says to Gideon, once he had, assessed, had gotten his army together, he says that I want you to begin to thin them out. But before that, you know, Gideon did another thing that we often want to do with God. We want to, we want to petition God to make sure. So he had a little fleece, a little test with God, and he says, God, if you're really going to do this with me, then I, I, I want assurance that this is going to work out. So I, we're, I'm going to put you to the test, if, if I may. And God says, okay, let's do it. He says, I'm going to take a little piece of fleece, wool, and I'm going to put it on the ground. And if you would, if you really are calling me to do this, when the dew falls tonight, will you let just the fleece be wet and the ground dry around it? No problem. Next morning he wakes up. He goes and gets the fleece. He picks it up. It's soaking wet. The ground is dry around it. He squeezes out a whole bowl full of water out of the fleece. That, would, to me, would have probably been a pretty good sign that God is with me. But he wanted assurance that the Lord was with him. So he said, well, I'm not quite sure of this, you know, because he's counting heads and he's trying to figure out how he's going to do this. And he says to the Lord, let's do one more little, little test. He said, if you don't mind, let's reverse the process. Tonight, if you will just, I'm going to put the fleece on the ground again. And, and, and if you would, if you're really calling me to do this, then let the fleece stay dry and the ground get wet. So the next morning he wakes up, and voila, there it is. So now he's convinced God has really called him to do this. So he starts getting his army together, and he calls all the men of Israel together, and 30,000 of them show up. 30,000, 300,000. Well... You know, we might can do this. But the Lord says to Gideon, you got too many men because 
if, if I let them defeat the Midianites, they're going to think they did it in their own strength. Don't you love it when the Lord does that? Don't you just love it when God tells you, you know, I want you to reach this community and I want you to do all these great things for me and I want you to, and, and you're looking around and you said, okay, let's do it. You know, God is able to save whether by many or by few. It doesn't matter the numbers. What matters is the, is the confidence that we have in our God. And so Gideon says, all right, Lord, let's do this. And so the Lord says, says I want you to just tell them if there are any of you that are scared, if you're, if you're scared, if you're afraid to go out and do this, then I release you going home. That's a pretty tricky thing to do. So he says to them, okay, guys, if you are trembling in the knees, if you're afraid of this, if you don't, if you don't have confidence in this, then I release you go home to your families. So he's standing there and two-thirds of them go. Now he's left with 10,000. 10,000 up against 300,000. And, and you're wondering, Lord, okay, now, uh, you know, you've got to have some kind of plan here because I'm not seeing it. And God says, okay, now, I, I see you still got too many. Wow. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. When all the men go down to drink, I want you to watch them. He said, the ones that, that get down on one knee and drink from their hand, I want you to send them home. And the ones that get down lap like a dog, he says, those are the ones that I'm taking with us. Now, why did God do that? Well, if you ever notice, if you ever get down to drink water like this, you're doing like this. You're looking around. He said, but if they get down on their face and they lap water like a dog, they're confident. They ain't afraid. So he did that. So the Lord gives him a plan now how to defeat his enemies. But, you know, it wasn't in his own strength and it wasn't in his own might because God was working with him. And the end result was that Gideon took this little hodgepodge army of 300 men. God gave him a plan where to take some trumpets and some, some lanterns and put them inside these pots and to, to, to go up on a mountain. And, and when, when he gave them the signal, they were to drop their pots and blow the trumpets and charge down the hill and God was going to give them victory. And God did it. He destroyed the Midianites before them. And what he did in doing that was he redeemed Gideon's name. All of a sudden, the people are wanting to take Gideon and make him their king. His whole name was changed because God, his, his name was redeemed and, and, and given his right perspective because God used him as a mighty warrior. He used him as a destroyer of the army of, of Midian. Now, what is your name? What has God given you? What purpose has God given you? Understand that you can do it because God has redeemed your name. It doesn't matter what you were before. It doesn't matter your education or lack thereof. All that matters is, are you willing to do what God has called you to do? Will you have questions? Yeah, I have questions. It's okay because it's okay because God is God and He will always answer your questions. If you call upon me, I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you know not. God's not afraid for us to talk to Him. But when we talk, when we talk to Him, wait for the answer. Let God talk to you. And then do what He tells you to do without question. Amen? And you'll receive, you'll see the salvation of God. You'll see the victory of God. God is with you. 
God is with you. You're a child of God. His spirit's in you. And, and so you, you will, you're never alone. Hebrews 13. That's just my timer up here. It's telling me my time's up. God says in Hebrews 13, 4 through 6, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Several years ago, about five years ago, when we went through a situation, y'all, y'all know pretty much what I'm talking about. I was just just questioning God and wanting to know, Lord, why? What's going on? And a good friend of mine from up in Cincinnati, Ohio, sent me a text message on my phone, and he sent me the scripture. He said, God told me to tell you this. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 4 through 6, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So you can say with confidence, the Lord is your helper, and you don't have to be afraid what man can do to you. That ministered to me at the time. It still ministers to me right now because I know that nothing is impossible with God. Whatever God tells us to do, we can do it because he is our source. He is the one that we depend upon. He is our, our, our victory. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. So wherever your faith and your confidence is, that's what's going to carry you. If your confidence is in yourself, you're not going very far. If it's in your friends, you're not going very far. But if your confidence is in God, you're going all the way. There's nothing that can defeat you. I like what it says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? What does it matter who's against you? It doesn't matter if it's ISIS. Doesn't matter if it's the if it's the if it's politics, if it's the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who is against you if God is for you. Amen. And I want to tell you this morning that God is for you. And listen to this. There will be some people that will try to condemn you, they'll try to tear you down. The devil will always send those kind of friends. You know, the Bible says. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, he says that there are friends, quote unquote, then there are friends that stick closer than a brother. We all have our pseudo friends. They come alongside, you know, and they're, they're there when, you, when they need you. You know what I'm talking about? But they're not really there when you need them. Friends come and friends go, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you so that whoever tries to condemn you, it doesn't matter. Who is he who condemns? Who is he who tries to tell us that we are not who God says we are? I'll tell you who it is. It's the devil himself. The word Satan means accuser. That's what the devil is. He's always accusing. He's he's the accuser of the brethren. If he can find some dirt to throw at you, believe me, it's coming. If he can find something to throw at you to try to discourage you or try to discredit you or try to destroy your character, try to tell somebody that you are not who you are, he will do it. But the thing of it is, you got to know who you are and stand upon the power and the authority of the Word of God. Who is he who condemns? 
Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised from raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Now, that's comforting to me. To know that the Lord of heaven is interceding for me, that's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? That's the best lawyer you can ever get. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Are you convinced? If you're not convinced, you need to convince yourself. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to get along with God, and you need to get into his word, and you need to reinforce who you are and know that you're a child of God and nothing can stand against you. For well, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I want to encourage you to go and live up to your name. I choose to live up to the name that God's given me. My name has been redeemed. It doesn't matter what it was before. When I found out what my name is, I love it. I am a conqueror. I am ruling over my circumstances. You know what circumstances are, don't you? Circumstances are the things that revolve around where you stand. We all have different circumstances. We all have things going on. How many have stuff going on in your life? You have stuff that you have to deal with all the time, don't you? You know, stuff will come and stuff will go, and you will always have circumstances. But don't let your circumstances rule you. You are Lord over your circumstances because the Lord is Lord over you. And he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way for you to overcome. You are an overcomer. Say this with me. I am an overcomer. How do you know that? You know you're an overcomer when you overcome. Amen. Say this with me. I am a disciple. You're truly a disciple when you become one who is disposed to learn, one who learns to discipline himself so that you become a disciple of Christ. You want to learn of him. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your souls. Come to me, he says. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus never gives us more than what we can handle with his strength. Now, if we try to do it in our own strength, we'll crumble. But if we do it in the power of the Spirit, we overcome. Jesus used two weapons when he was called out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit of God and the Word. He kept saying, it is written. It is written. And it's important that we know what is written. What is written about you? Take the word of God. Make it personal. Make it personal. The promises of God, claim them. They're yours. And in him, they're always yes and amen. Who are you? Ask yourself that question. I'm not asking you who you are. You need to know who you are. I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God.
And, you know, I, I, I hesitate to do this because he's asked me not to, but I'm, I'm going to take license and do it anyway today, just, just as an example. But when this young man was a child, we taught him to say something. Who are you? And he would say, I'm a man of God. Two years old. Who are you? I'm a man of God. Where's Jesus? And he would point to his heart. He'd say, where's the devil? He'd point under his feet. He still believes that. Because it was instilled inside of him when he was little. When he was a child. He knew who he was. When we named him, we named him deliberately. We researched so that we could name him Jeremy Michael. Called of God and anointed of the Lord. That's who he is. And then he's living up to that name that God has given him. That's what we all have got to do. Live up to the name that God has given you. Not what the devil says you are. You're not who he says you are because he's a liar. All he will do is accuse you and try to break you down and destroy you. But God has given us the yoke-destroying power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Praise God. I think that's a good place to pray and say amen. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet today. And I just feel that maybe some of you have been struggling with this. And this is just a way of reminder that God brought you here today to remind you who you are. To help you with your identity crisis. Some of us are in a true identity crisis. We don't know who we are in Christ. And we take the things that God has given us, the gifts and the calling that he has given us to us, which are irrevocable, by the way. And we lay them aside and we don't use them. And we become like Gideon. We just want to crawl in a hole somewhere and just meagerly get by when God has called us to overcome and be victorious. I want to pray for you today that you rise above your circumstances and your situation and you become all that God has intended for you to be. I like the slogan of the U.S. Army. says, be all you can be. I like the one the Marines have even better. He's looking for a few good men. The few, the proud, the Marines. Take no pride in yourself. Take pride in who you are in Christ Jesus. Don't be ashamed of who you are in him. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We've got nothing to be ashamed of. Amen? Amen. Even our past, we don't even have to be ashamed of that. Because it is what it is. It's the past. But we're living in the present, and our future is bright. Amen. I want to pray for you right now. I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to receive what God has for you right now. And I want you to say this with me. Lord, I thank you. That I'm not who I was. That I have a new name. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm full of power. I'm full of promise. I am prosperous. I'm an overcomer. I am the head and not the tail. I am the lender and not the borrower. And I am free from sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan has no right in my life. 
Whatever he has spoken over me has been broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever my past had a hold on me, it's broken in the name of Jesus. I'm moving forward in Christ Jesus. I have a new name. I'm living up to it. In Jesus' name. I'm a child of God. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that I don't have to worry. But I do have to walk by faith. Increase my faith. Help me, Lord, not to falter. And when I stumble, help me to get up. Lay aside the weight and the hindrance that does so easily beset me. And let me run run the race with patience that's set before me. Keeping my eyes on the author and the finisher of my faith. And I thank you, Lord, that the Apostle Paul said that I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, don't that feel better? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want you to continue to remind yourself of that. When the enemy comes, and he will, and he will try to remind you of your past, you have the license to do this. Remind him of his future. Amen. And live in yours. Live in the present. Live in the future. Don't live in the past. Amen. And remember this. I've said it before. I'll say it one more time. This is it. This is my amen. This is my closing. That today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. So there's no need to worry about tomorrow. Because it's going to take care of itself. Because Christ is with you. And he's in you. And he's for you. Amen. Amen. Well, share the love of Jesus with somebody. And you're dismissed. Amen. God bless you.